ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me on the Relationships Rule Podcast. And thanks again for your support as we spread the word about the importance of building relationships in business and in life and showing people that we really actually care. Please go over to my website at your convenience, janisporter.com, for a free gift. You can download my ebook, Seven Step Formula to Create Business Relationships That Last, and maybe that will help you, inspire you to do just that. I'm very excited today for my guest, um, and it's all about really starting new relationships as well. And I'm always fascinated by how these things come about. So I um, am connected with a, a great woman who is a PR person. And in fact, she's going to be on my podcast as well in the near future. And she suggested that I meet Dr. Rick Cromie, who's my guest today. And I love how these things work. And they, in fact, do, because I'm very excited and interested in what he has to say. So welcome, Rick, first of all, to my podcast. Yeah, well, thank you, Janice. It's a joy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm going to do a little bit of your bio here, and then let's get into the conversation. Okay. Um, I may call you Rick, yes? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Dr. Rick Cromie is a cultural explorer, social historian, and generational futurist, as well as an international keynote speaker. He's a notable author who has authored over a dozen books on leadership, natural motivation, creative communication, and classroom management. And most recently, his, the exciting new book, which I think we're gonna talk about today, Exploring Generations of Technology. The book is called Gen Tech, An American Story of Technology, Change, and Who We Really Are since 1900. The book officially launches on um, May 26, 2020, but I've had a sneak preview. Too many pages for me to read before we could do this, and I'm being openly honest here, but very excited because the ebook I think is now available for everybody. And so uh, Rick also uh, has served as a pastor, professor, speaker, trainer, and consultant working in the nonprofit and corporate sectors. And in, 19, in 2017, founded MANA, M-A-N-N-A, Educational Services International, to inspire and equip leaders, teachers, pastors, and parents. He holds a doctorate in leadership and emerging culture and travels the U.S. and world to speak on culture, faith, history, education, and leadership topics. He currently lives in Star, Idaho, with his wife, Linda. That's a pretty impressive um, bio rick well i i gotta tell you of all the introductions i've ever received that was definitely the most recent one <laughs> <laughs> well and, and you read it just like my publicist wrote it so yeah, wonderful there you, go. there you go but but there's a few things in there that that i think we can jump right into i think that from my um previous conversation with you just uh yesterday i feel as though you have a good sense of humor and probably 
um, uh, entertain your audience at the same time as, as um, giving them lots of information. I call it edutainment. I love yeah. it. It's important, I think, to light up the uh, the mind with uh, a laugh and some insight at the same time. You know, totally. when we're when we're enjoying what we're learning, literally, our mind lights up when it's having fun. When there's pleasure, it lights up like a Christmas tree, and those synapses are firing left and right. And so, I, I like my workshops and and my training and even my books to be entertaining to uh, to engage and you just learn from that learn much deeper and the creativity that emerges yeah makes sense so let's talk about your new book because i think it's fascinating so um there was something i read uh here okay in your website about the book and I, if you i just want to read it if i could because i think it's a great starting point and it, that defines it for me very easily Every 20 years, a new generation rises, but who and what defines these generations? And could current generational tags mislead and miss the point? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think they are missing the point big time. I was just, um, you know, as I was researching this book, I was looking at some of the, the tags that are now being given to the youngest generation. Obviously, we've had Gen X and Millennials used to be called Gen Y, and then you've got Gen Z out there. You know, that's fairly common. Well, the newest generation is now being called the Alpha Generation, or Gen A. Oh. Going back to the beginning of the <laughs> alphabet, uh, you know, to name these generations. And I, I just think it's ridiculous. I think the alphabet soup approach to naming generations not only misses the point, but it creates um, a lot of, um, you know, confusion and really just it's not serving its purposes. I think it's better to look at generations through the lenses of technology. That's what I'm going to argue in my book. I think it's technology that really shapes us as far as the windows of the world, because every generation sees its world in a different way. And it's because of the technology that's emerging between their, what I call coming of age years, ages 10 to 25, that period of time as that generation is emerging those windows open uh, through the technology and in my book it's interesting and i didn't realize this till i got back and started really uh, you know kind of reviewing the bigger picture of what i've just written the book itself most of the technologies are communication technologies so if you were born in the early 1900s one of your first communication technologies was the telephone uh, and then the motion picture. We, we learned our news through newsreels at the motion picture house, the theater house. That's how we stayed in touch with the world. Right. The radio then changed everything. Now the radio brought the news and religion and entertainment and music into our home. But then that changed again with the vinyl record. The vinyl record allowed us to now take that music, for example, and sell it and individually collect and keep what we liked. We didn't have to listen to a radio and find, wait for the song that we wanted. Right. We could have that song. And, and then it was television. A visual medium changed everything again. And you know, now as we work through, we see today, you know, everything, you know, the internet obviously has changed everything, but artificial intelligence is radically uh, altering and changing who we are. So we're not Gen Z or Alpha. We're the robo generation. We're the robot, mm. robot generation, as I call it, robotics generation. 
or as I'm teaching in my new workshop on it, we're a, they're a generation that's hairy. Uh, the future looks hairy for the robo generation. It looks hairy, like as in scary or as in hairy. Hairy, yeah. Well, it's an acronym. Yeah. An acronym, H-A-I-R. H is for holograms. AI is artificial intelligence. Wow. Is robotics and our youngest generation born since 2010 are living they're coming of age remember age is 10 yes. so in 2020 the robo generation is now starting to come of age and for the next 25 years actually 35 years when it till 2055 the youngest generation will be coming of age and they're what they're experiencing the technologies that will shape their personality robots artificial intelligence and holograms. And it's amazing and to, to just look at how those are already starting to bubble and emerge. Robots, for example, but in the next 10 years, I'll guarantee you there'll be more change in the next 10 years with those three technologies than there has been in the last 20 years with the other earlier technologies that framed them and, and brought them uh, into existence. It, that's so true. But when I think about um, you know, putting the newer generations into category, into, you know, groups like we have all the way along, whichever way you do it by technology or by um, when they were born, it, it, things are happening so much faster now, as you just said, that how can they really define that generation? Because it, it, it just, you can't keep up, you know? Right. Um, right. Well, I don't think, I don't know if I agree with that, that, you know, obviously things are definitely getting faster the emergence of technology is getting faster and change is faster than ever before. Uh, but we're still seeing about every 20 years, a new generation emerges and there's tends to be a particular technology or in some case, a cluster of technologies like holograms. That defines it. Of, yeah, that really yeah. kind of frames it. Yeah. And that's what helps us then understand when we get into the business culture, for example, how different generations react and interact. When you look at, a, at someone who was born between 1980 and the year 2000, I call them the CP or PCCP generation, the personal computer cell phone generation. Mm -hmm. For them, you know, they're, they're still a little old school. They don't mind email, but they're also that texting. They're, they've gotten into the texting side of things. So when you communicate with a, with a millennial, as, as many call them, or as I would call them, a, a, a personal computer cell phone generation type, their the personality is such where they, they prefer that cyber communication. So old school male, that doesn't communicate as well with them. And obviously- It's so sad really, isn't it? That, okay, yeah. so when you're speaking to people, I assume you, you I shouldn't assume, but that you talk to people um, who are um, more of our generations having to um, interact and hire the newer generations of, yeah. um, of people. And do you feel that it's our place to change to their technology or that in some cases they need to, the, the people, cause I feel as though, um, you know, like I have a daughter who's a um, Gen X and if I don't text her, right, I never get an answer. And then uh -huh. I barely get an answer. Uh -huh. and, and so I still feel as a parent and, you know, give, show me some love, like pick up the phone once in a while. Yeah. yeah well, you're a phone call. <laughs> right. Or I'll take FaceTime over everything. Okay. Right. 
but um and and sometimes it does happen don't get me wrong but uh but what what's your take on that who should there be give and take or should we always be looking at the future and going with what they what they want well first of all i'm going to guess that you were born between 1940 and 1960 is that uh yeah and, and because of that, you're part of what I call the great television generation. Yeah. You grew up with screens. You grew up, and obviously the telephone is part of that as well, but you grew up wanting to interact through screens. So <laughs> it's, it's not for you to have FaceTime. You like that technology. A phone call is nice. Face-to-face -face obviously still yeah. works well with you. But the younger generation, and when you start looking at social media, it's redefined everything. Facebook redefined friendships, for example. Uh, Are they following, <laughs> yeah, twi Twitter has redefined following. When you think about it, you're following somebody. I, I mean, on Twitter, you can have a million people, and most of them are people that you know, they're they're following for whatever reason, and no one really knows. Yeah. It's, you can actually buy your followers and. I don't know about you, but as a as someone who deals a lot with social media, I may be old school, but I really believe relationships are personal. I believe that they're built one person at a time, one heart at a time. It's it's a community thing. So I don't have the biggest following on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, but I build my audience one at a time. Exactly. And I create relationships, and I really believe that that is the long view for how to succeed and, and not just business, but anything you do mm -hmm. uh, is, is through relationships. So I love what you're talking about in this show. In fact, I got to tell you, I never heard of you before, Janice, and I'm going to get onto your podcast and start listening to what you're saying <laughs> and to those experts out there, except that funny guy that talks gen tech. I don't know if I want anything to do with that. I don't know if I agree. I don't agree with half the stuff I say. So, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> well, anyway. it's so true though. I mean, I get calls from, well, I get messages on LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn trainer too. Yeah. I get messages on LinkedIn from people all the time wanting me to, um, to share with my uh, connections a third-party tool, and it could be one of a hundred different third-party tools to help them with their outreach on LinkedIn and make more connections. And I'm like, dude, you can only talk to one person at a time right. and, and really you know, build some kind of rapport to then take it offline and, and perhaps have them as a real prospect or in fact a real client. And I don't know, I just can't do it their way. So uh, I have to stick to my guns. But coming back to my question. Yeah, yeah I want to answer your question. Yeah. You're right. As far as do we change or do we force yeah. them to be to, to come in and do what we're doing? I think we have to change. I think we have to change. I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I really do. I, technology is constantly emerging and changing, and the communication styles or methods, maybe it's a better way of putting strategies, yeah. those are going to be constantly changing. And it's, it's not dumbing down as much as going to the front of the class, so to speak, mm. and, and being more uh, uh, connected with what's really happening. It's why I got on Twitter. It's why I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's why I get involved with podcasts and video blogs and all that. It's because that's where people are at. And if you're a communicator, you've got to be at the front of the class, not the back of the class. And you really, you lead by example. So for business guys, leaders, CEOs, you know, anybody who, who's, you know, trying to reach a younger generation, you better be talking their language. 
Uh, I, one of the funny things right now that's emerging, I don't know if you've heard this one or not, is the OK Boomer fa- you know, trend. You heard no. about OK, OK Boomer? Yeah. It's, boomers have been uh, very interesting in their communications with the younger generation, and they, you know, they've called them all sorts of different names. In fact, millennial, in many ways, when I talk to my millennial audiences, they don't like the word millennial. They see that as somewhat uh, derogatory now or negative. Oh, really? Um, yeah. They're ruling yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, they, they just, there's just, uh, in general, they're, they, they see it as, uh, as kind of a bad tag. And, and um, I, I don't know. And it may not be general. Maybe it's just in certain parts of the country. But I've run into that as I talk uh, to the younger audiences. They don't like that term as much as, as older people do who put the term on them. I get that. Uh, but the, the thing that's going on right now, it's kind of interesting, is uh, a trend on social media and the memes in particular called OK Boomer. And it's essentially the millennials responding to the boomers. You know, the boomers saying, you got to do it my way. I don't like you. You're a bunch of snowflakes, you know, yeah. and on and on and on. And, and the, the millennials basically saying, OK, boomer. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Boomer. Okay. Boomer. You've had, basically, you've had your say boomer. I've heard you. I'm not listening anymore. Okay. Boomer. So there's a snarkiness there. There's a disrespect there. Yeah. And I think we need to be concerned both ways. I I mean, that's, if you're dealing with relationships in our culture, one of the biggest issues for me, and I I deal with, I'm in a relationship culture myself and, Mm -hmm. and constantly I'm working with people trying to you know, resolve conflict and help people understand each other. It starts with respect. You have to have a level of respect. And if there's anything wrong with our culture today, it's that somehow the wheels came off the respect wagon. Oh, you're and so right. We, we don't respect each other. And if you don't respect each other, you won't listen to each other. And you, right. if you don't listen, you can't understand. Uh, my mentor always put it this way. He said, you will never understand another person until you stand under them. In other words, you have to understand their life. You have to understand what made them who they are, mm. you know. Uh, to understand me, you have to know that, know that I grew up in central Montana, you know, in farmland and ranch land. I'm a cowboy kid, you know. I grew up in, this, in a little town, but I had cowboys all around me. You know, I, that's just who I am. I grew up going to church all my life, so it has a frame for who I am. Of course. Of course. And that's okay, you know. Uh, and, and they're not bad. And that's the other problem too. I think when we get into generational uh, tagging and labeling is a lot of times we, we have a, we almost create some fear and some, that disrespect creates a fear or a, um, a hate, if you will. I think whenever hate or fear tend to be part of these conversations, you know, I don't, if, if you don't like what I'm saying, if you don't agree with my position, then you must hate me or you're afraid of me. See that type of, that's just, it's not true. That's narrow thinking, though, because yeah, yeah uh, but it's 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 rampant across society right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it is. If you it? don't if you don't agree with me, it must be because you're afraid of me, or because you don't like me, or you hate me, or you know. And then there's all sorts of isms that get attached to it to that. Well, yeah. I don't want to get into this topic, but because yeah. of the the um, the the frame, uh, I don't know how to say it, in your country, I'm in Canada, you're in the States. Um, it's pretty scary there right now. I mean, oh, it's right. very black and white, right? And it just comes from the top. There's no question because yeah. it's pretty, it's just 
it's red it's red and blue and it's producing a black a red white and black and blue culture for us yeah that's one way to put it for sure it's it's yeah anyway enough of that because i don't want yeah. to talk about it. but generations again emerge about every 20 years and i think it's the bottom line janice is this i think the technology that bubbles for us again between our 10th birthday and our 25th birthday and I've said this for a long time because I really believe it. I think the music that we listen to between our 10th birthday and our 25th birthday is our comfort music. And that's what kind of got me thinking about technology because I think we have a comfort technology that we enjoy. Uh, and you see it. You see it. Um, those of us who were born in the cable television generation, I have a whole generation called the cable TV generation, born between 1970 and 1990. That generation... You know, they love that old cable television fair, uh, you know, that you get. The, and they, they, they grew up on CNN and, you know, MTV and mm -hmm. ESPN. And that mm -hmm. just defines who they are. So I, I think I had um, heard your comment about the music from mm -hmm. somewhere, Reddit or something. And I started asking that question of my guests on my podcast and i love it it's like when you're in your car what kind of music do you listen to is it the music from your youth and they all yeah. say yes yeah all yeah. of them and i do too but it but it's really weird because um age is a thing for me that i uh um i don't like to share for some reason i feel as though i i talk to a lot of younger people and and yes i'm a baby boomer but where do i fit in that i don't want anyone to really know and then as soon as i say what my music is people know anyway yeah right yeah. so it's right. Really funny and right. i shouldn't be afraid of it but it just i'm is. gonna guess you like no, the no beatles. guessing you no like guessing. the beatles no no guessing no guessing <laughs> <laughs> so um so we're not going there um, okay. <laughs> so um shot down by the host yeah shot okay. down by the host. exactly so tell me um one of the other things that as i you know okay so another thing about the baby boomers and the different generations that i you know i'm envisioning and even from your tech perspective of how to define the generations um how do you feel about because i was just going to ask say something that i actually had to stop myself and i'll tell you why after but um how do you feel about real books versus online books <laughs> yes yes how do i feel about them yeah, well like what you know what's your um I, preference and so on well my preference isn't going to matter uh, no, eventually that's, true. that's the that's, that's the problem kodak yeah. kodak learned this and i talk about this in the i book. read that I read yeah, that. yeah yeah kodak learned this the hard way that you know if you they had the original idea for the digital camera they were ahead of the game yeah. when it came to digital photography and their the powers that be at kodak shelved the idea uh, put it to the side. Said, "Ah, nah, we're 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 not interested. That people, we're we're a print culture. We're a photograph paper culture. That's who we are." And they missed the idea that the purpose of Kodak was to to take pictures and see what develops. You know, <laughs> and you can no do that digitally. Statement. You can do that digitally. Yeah, but yeah. they thought it was print. It was paper. We are watching right now a, a complete sea change when it comes to print technology in every part of our culture uh 
20, 21st century culture, newspapers are dying on the vine right now. They're, they're literally going away. Magazines are going away. Uh, and every, so, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm a futurist. And one of the things I learned in my future studying on how to look into the future and, you know, I'm kind of like a weather forecaster. Yeah. What, what a weather forecaster does is he looks back and sees the signs and the patterns of history and you look at those and then you, you start to make educated guesses as far as what you see coming because the patterns start to repeat themselves, right? Right. That's exactly what's going on. So when we start looking at print technology we, in every way, the book is the last bastion of, of modern culture. And it, it's really still a, a, you know, captured. I realize we print a lot of books. My, my new book is a, is a paper thing. Mm -hmm. But I really believe in the next uh, 25 to 30 years that it will be gone. Uh, the book will look a lot, I'm predicting, like the vinyl record looks like today. There are people out there saying, oh, vinyl's making a comeback. And I'm going, really? Yeah. Have you, have you really gone? And uh, when was the last time you bought a piece of new vinyl? Because it's going to cost you $25 to buy new vinyl. Yeah. It's a niche market. And in a postmodern culture, we are always scratching the niches because that's where the money's at. Mm -hmm. uh, business guys, you'll hear that one. If you want to, if you want to succeed, you find that niche, and you you can make a lot of money in the niches in our culture. But that's that's the problem. Is I think the book is going to be something that in the future will be a lot like there'll be certain titles they'll still be in paper because we'll pay fifty dollars for a book. Right. Um, certain people will. I won't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they well, will. Um, what, what I was going to say was that when I um, flipped through your book, but I didn't flip through your book because I have it online. Yeah. And yeah, I know it's so different. But you what slid through my book? Yeah, but what I what I noticed was that you use a lot of quotes in your book, mm -hmm. and I love that because I love quotes. And so, tell me a little bit about how you ch how do you choose quotes to go? Like, do you collect them? Do you ah. Yeah, see now you're you're asking for my writing secrets. No, no, no. And, uh, I'm just curious. You know, I'm curious. My research. Yeah. No, that's great. I, that's that's an interesting question. How did I choose the quotes for the book? Uh, I've collected quotes obviously along the way, but each chapter, I, I looked at each chapter in this book almost like a baby. You know, I'm having a baby, and they're they're. I I have uh, I have like 15 children in this book, <laughs> and and each one was different. I, I really didn't. I, you know, when I presented it to the publisher, I wanted to, uh, I, I gave the big idea and I gave the general, uh, you know, the chapter outline with some basic thoughts on each chapter. I mean, I had the big picture, but to go into each chapter uh, meant that I had to research it pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. And so I would spend anywhere from seven to 10 days and the first half of the book or the first half of that time, you know, four or five days is nothing but hardcore. You know, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I watched, uh, I, I watched a lot of historical documentaries from that time frame. So when I was studying the, the motion picture generation, I mean, that was fun. Just looking how motion pictures emerge and you'd be, oh, yeah. you'd be surprised how much stuff is on YouTube. If you just you I know, know. type just, in right? and search that. Yeah. But the quotes, a lot of the quotes kind of came out of that because I, I would quote something that I would see and then I would go study it and, and I'd find that quote bubbling and I'd go, I like that quote. That really okay. that flies for me. But my, I, I just, there's a place called Brainy Quote. I don't know if you've heard of Brainy Quote. Brainy but, Quotes, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I would go in there and i type 
quotes about television. And, and, okay. And I just do you, you know, have a favorite? Do I have a favorite quote? Uh, probably uh, one of the quotes I have earlier in the in the book is one that comes from Solomon that the, to everything there is a season, mm. you know, a, t a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to to shout, a time to die. You know, of course the the birds back in the 1960s turned it into a wonderful song called "Turn, Turn, Turn." <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can I can bet you right now you got that song in your in your head because you're. A, classic baby boomer well, speaking yeah. of that uh, just as an aside there was an interesting documentary on i think it was on netflix uh done by uh jacob dylan bob dylan's son i don't oh. know if you saw it. it and it 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 was about the groups of the, uh, just a few of the groups of the 60s the the uh the forerunners of the crosby stills and nash like yeah and and the birds and it was really interesting um Again, yeah. uh, coming from, you know, one of the most prolific songwriters of all times, Sun, who was in his shadow for such a long time. That was fascinating to see. Anyway, that's an no, aside. And, but no, but see, I, I think that that's, that's a good point because in, when you look at the vinyl record generation mm -hmm. or the radio generation, those artists that influenced in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, a lot of them came, they, they were coming of age during that period of time and they were their influence I'm, I'm working my way right now through the ken burns documentary on country music which i think should be required viewing uh, for anybody interested in music and especially american history it is it is a story of america country music really has always been a, a bit of the which story ken of america. burns is that the, ken burns the filmmaker yeah the filmmaker okay yeah because there's two i think I'm not familiar with the other guy. The, the is he one... the guy that's married to Christy Turlington? Oh boy, I don't know. That's okay, a good never question. mind. We'll do that another time. Yeah. I'll, I'll go check it out on YouTube. Or, or Google, Google it. Yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. that'll yeah. help you, and that'll make you fairly hip with the young generation if you Google something like that. You know, so you know they'll look at you and go, "Yeah, Janice, she's really into it. You know, she understands." This <laughs> I try to technology. keep up. Trust me, yeah. I try to yeah. keep up. I really do. And, <laughs> but um, but the Ken Burns document, he's he's a very good filmmaker. Yes, uh, he is. Uh, and he has he has a number of great ones. I, another one I liked of his was Baseball because I think uh, when you look at America and the American story, especially in the up until probably the '80s, you have to look at it through the lens of baseball. Uh, mm. baseball always led uh, our culture. I mean, long before when you think about civil rights in America and and the African American and, and all that and the whole black white struggle. Yes. I mean, it was baseball in 1947 and and you know Jackie Robinson. Mm -hmm. You know, baseball was the first to integrate. Mm -hmm. Ironically, and not the last foot NFL football team to integrate is the Washington Redskins, our national capital. Which they, they still the, haven't changed the name of it. They exactly. About yeah. And that's, that's the other thing, you know, when you deal with, with relations and, and such, mm -hmm. you think, you know, people say, well, I don't know if that's racist. I'm going, I grew up in Montana. Let me tell you something. Calling an Indian Redskin is racist. And oh. until our national capital figures that out, yeah. you know, it's hard to have a national conversation about civil rights when you have their football team named the Redskins. Yeah. Because you couldn't get away with that with any other color. I'll guarantee it. Yeah, yeah, interesting, right? But, yeah, yeah, but this all plays into generational analysis and how we look at ourselves and then how we interact with each other, uh, going back again to respect and integrity and such. I'm gonna, I want to ask you one, one last sort of 
topic around, and I don't know why this just came to me and I don't know if this has any relevance to your, um, your, uh, version of the generations. But what I notice a lot now, and it's not my interest at all is how many people are so, um, uh, obsessed with, I'm going to say comic books and, and, uh, uh, superheroes and that whole Comic-Con kind of thing, the Star Trek and all of that. Is that a generational thing or is that, what is that? Trying to get away from uh, the world? Uh, I don't think, I don't, I think you're t when you deal with fantasy and science fiction, I don't think that's generational. I think that's human. <laughs> I think we all want heroes and we want them to be superheroes. Hmm. Uh, when you, I was watching a, a classic Lucille Ball television show last night where she had John Wayne, <laughs> Lucille, Lucille Ball, and, and she had John Wayne on there. And, and she was enthralled. I mean, he was the superhero for yeah. the, the, what I call the TNT generation, the transportation telephone generation. <clears throat> he was their superhero. Uh, you know, cowboys in the 40s, uh, Gene yeah. Autry and Roy Rogers, they were the... They were the heroes, and it was coming through television, by the way, yes. where those heroes are found. Okay, uh, so now it's not. Now yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, now it comes through other ways, and, but we, I think it's a human need, a human desire to have heroes, because they, they give us a, a hope for uh, salvation, a hope for redemption, a hope for uh, change. <laughs> you know, we're always looking for those heroes. All right, and heroines. And heroin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget the heroin. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. I just yeah. don't have any interest at all in that sort of culture. And it's just very strange to me. That's, but I guess, you know, you, you're right. It's just an interest in science fiction and so on. And that can come in any generation, I suppose. Yeah. Although, you know, when you think about, again, an age thing, when you think about 1984, um, George Orwell and how, you know, we're basically living that big brother world now. <laughs> it's just so different to, you know, that it, than it was when we first read about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much, Rick, for, um, being on my podcast and sharing with us your gen tech thoughts. And, um, perhaps you can just tell my audience where they can find your book, where they can find you. And I will put it in the show notes as well so that they can uh, learn more about your different uh, um, not monikers for the different generations and so on. Your thoughts around it. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, you can reach me uh, through a number of different avenues, but primarily the best place is my website, manasolutions.org. Okay. Manasolutions.org. We also have a specific website just for the, uh, uh, the book called mygentech.us. Okay. So if you want to look at that, yeah, and that's just for the book itself. Uh, you can you can reach me through both of those, and I would love to come and share. I do this. I, I speak for different audiences all over the world, and workshops, and and keynotes, and such. As and just unpack this. I'd love to do that for your leaders, your teachers, uh, your your pastors, or your parents. Those are my four audiences. Say that again. My uh, leaders, leaders, and teachers, pastors, and parents. Parents, right? Those are my four primary audiences. So. Any last words for my audience? Stay curious. Oh, that Stay is curious. so amazing. That's my favorite word ever. Yeah. Well, the word manna 
which is where I take my organization comes from. It's from the Old Testament um, bread that was given to right. the Israelites. It was called manna. Right. And the Hebrew word uh, manna literally means what is it? So when these Israelites looked out and saw this bread stuff on the ground, they said manna. But what they were really saying is, what is it? And that's, that's what our organization do. We, we want to create training that's curiously divine. We believe it's a God-given thing, a blessing, but at the same time, it's a gift and it's, it's free and it's, it's enjoy. Something that feeds you. Love it. Thank yeah. you so much. And we will talk again soon. And thank you to my audience for listening. If you liked what you listened to, please go and check out Dr. Rick Cromie's book, Gen Tech, and uh, send him a message and tell him what you think about it. And uh, it's also available at Amazon right now in digital format, and it will be in print version out on May 26. Perfect. At Amazon and all sorts of other booksellers out there. Right. So write a review of it. Once you've read it, we all love to have reviews. Same with my podcast. Please go over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Thank you so much and stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.